0: Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church, or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs HopeSpringsCov. Thank you, and enjoy. Okay, morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, nearly chickened out of this. You know, I don't feel me it 's a time of, sort of up here to pastor or minister or whatever, but it is a topic that i 'm passionate about so um, we 've been um, looking at um, two corinthians three eighteen in a way it 's beholding God um, and looking at how we transform more into god 's likeness so and we who with unveiled faces Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into His image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Now, when when sort of reading that without reading the epistle in Corinthians before that, when I see unveiled faces as in a mirror, I envisage, you know, people going up to a mirror and they they look at themselves they 've put on their makeup, you know they 've done their hair, you know lovely, yeah <laughs> and so unveiled faces so unveiled means to take off that that veil, so take off the, the sort of the persona that we want to show others, to bear, come back to reality of of ourselves, and in some respects that can be seen to be, you know, a good sort of interpretation. But obviously, if you read before, it actually comes from Moses. Um, So it was interesting that Jeremy was drawing something earlier. Practicing his artistic skills yeah. He's so artistic <laughs> And uh, anyway, He uh, You see <laughs> I'll leave there for the moment <coughs> Right So it, the unveiled faces Refers back to Moses so let's do a bit of sort of history on that. So in Exodus 34, we're told that Moses fasted for 40 days and nights. Moses did not know the skin on his face shone because of speaking with him. God. The skin of his face shone, and the people were afraid to come near him. His face had. A general, a, a general irradiation, illumination, it, a transfiguration. He'd been in contact with the living God. Okay. Um, the word used in the Hebrew means sunrise. Apparently. Um, so. Um, When Moses came down from that, he spoke to the people, and then after speaking to the people, you know, the people were frightened because of his irradiate, his radiance. He then put a veil over his face, okay, and only took it off when he went into the meeting, that went back up to meet with God. Um, Um, So when he came out, spoke to the sons of what he commanded. Well, when God spoke to Moses, and then Moses took the word down, um, Israel would see the face of Moses, and his face shone. Okay. And basically, the the, uh, radiance, God's glory that was eminent in his face, was temporary. And Moses didn't want... Israel to see the, the fading of this glory. So th- that's why he wore the veil. Well now of course um, we don't we don't live in the Old Testament world. We have Christ living within us. His glory emanates and can emanate through us. We don't have to veil our faces because we should be emanating God's glory at all times. So that's uh, you know that so that's sort of one sort of thing that sort of came from it, and this is obviously the mountain of God when Moses goes up, speaks with God, becomes transfigured, comes down. So anyway, I'm. My sort of uh, sort of talk today is mainly about worship and how worship can bring us into that closer relationship with God, can bring us to that point of seeing His image. When we look in and we see Him, His image, His glory emanating from us, yeah, through worship. Now... <sighs> Definition, start with, always a good idea to start with a definition, right? So worship, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. That's the English translation of sort of meaning of the word worship. But the Bible wasn't written in English. So we run into a bit of problems there, okay? So in the Old Testament, a word used for worship is a Buddha, a Buddha. And in the New Testament, in the Greek, latria. Latria? Not very good at the pronunciations. Right, so in the Old Testament, in most cases, a, a, a boda has to do with the service done in the, te- the tabernacle or the temple. It's a physical act of service. Yeah? In the New tes- Testament, Latrier, it often refers to the offering of a sacrifice or service to God. Right? So how does that line up with the feeling expression of reverence and adoration for a, a deity? Right? So in Romans 12:1 where we see Latriere, it says therefore I urge you brothers and sisters to view in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice a holy and pleasing to God this is your true and proper worship okay so Latriere, and if we look at this sort of passage right Um, oh, it starts in in view of God's um, so in view of God's mercy. While we are looking at God's mercy, um, while we are watching Jesus, um, we set our minds on the cross. He could have con- he could condemn us, but he doesn't. God loves us. God is love, right? We offer our bodies. To offer your bodies is an offering. We have to present it to God. Um, and if, if you give an offering, it's not on loan. Okay? It's not something you take back. All right? It's something that is given. All right? To offer your bodies is to give up your entire body. All right? Your mind, your soul, your thoughts. Bones, all of it, right, with no plans or expectations of ever getting it back, and we give it as a living sacrifice right it 's living, and God makes it clear that we must worship him you know in living we can 't worship him if we 're dead or if we 're spiritually dead, all right all right so You know, it's very, very easy on a Sunday we come together and part of our meeting, part of our family is an act of worship, corporate worship, where we come to, you know, we come into a realisation of the living God. But what happens for the other, you know, six days or the other, you know, we're only here for a few hours, have three hours on a, on a Sunday. What happens for the rest of the time? Right? Are we taking back our body? Are we taking back that offering? Right? Our, our sacrifice, our, our worship has to be holy and pleasing to God. That means it has to be set apart um, and pleasing to God. How do we know if it's pleasing to God? Is this your true and proper worship? So what is real worship? What does it look like? So another way of... Jonathan Hartley wrote this paraphrased it, this that in another way. I'm begging of you, my friends, while watching Jesus, the one who condemns us, d- uh, die on the cross for us and having our minds set on the cross, give up your entire body, mind, soul, thought, skin, bones, all of it, to God, with no plans or expectations of ever getting it back as a spiritually active, growing, breathing sacrifice, like Jesus was when he was sacrificed himself. And being a sacrifice that God appeals to and takes pleasure in this is what real worship looks like. So when we come to church on a Sunday, what do we see as worship? right We're quite a small community, right? We have some lovely musicians, but do we have in the picture of our mind you know the Bethel Church I have a you know their their musicians is the size of our congregation, you know. And more um, so what what do we sort of visit is a pleasing act of worship to God? you know are we sort of thinking, well if we want to encourage people into church we've got to you know we've got to try and sort of appeal to their sort of musical instinct, you know, what's around the world, you know, what they're seeing in secularism and things like that. But we're getting the wrong end of what worship is. Okay? It's not about the church you're in. Right? It isn't about the songs or the band. It isn't about whether you're in the mood or not. Right? Right? or if you're awake enough, on Saturday morning. Worship is about offering your life, like Jesus did, to go with no plans of getting it back and giving him all you have. God demands our worship. Yeah. So we don't worship because it feels good or because everybody else does it. It's quite easy to go into somewhere and think, oh, they're doing that, oh, they're doing that, all right. Do, oh, no they're doing that now you know what I mean <laughs> trying to fit in you know but it's not about that so one thing um, that in the Old Testament what was it um, Isaiah 29 which is the Opposite of that, the Lord said, "Because this people draw me near to me, near with their words and honour me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of traditional tradition learned by rote." He doesn't want that. We can all come in and think, oh, this is what we have to do. This is what God demands, he demands our worship. Well, I'm here, I'm going to say this, oh, I know I've got to say this, got to say that. But that isn't worship. So, the aboda or service done in the temple, that aboda worship, had restrictions, Okay? it was tended to be applied to the temple or tabernacle or in the sacrifice. So it was confined to the place or event. Jesus came and died and rose, gave us the Holy Spirit, Christ in us. Now our worship is not condemned, for in Corinthians it says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. We are the temple. Our worship has no constraints. Right? So we worship Him week in, week out, day in, day out, hour in, hour out. Right? That abodes are that the worship the, the the service that God demanded of the people in the tabernacle was to do that work to the best of their ability put their heart and soul into that worship so what God demands of us is to put every day every hour we have demands that we worship with our very steps, with our very lives, with our work. Our work, yes, we might be working for, you know, I'm working at School, I work for the headmaster there, but my work I do to the best of my ability not for the headmaster. I do it to the best of my ability because that's the work God has called me to do and I'm doing it in that place and I'll do it for him. And in doing it for him, that's an act of worship. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) Am I there yet? Am I there all the time? No, I'm not. Right? This is part of the reason why I wanted to chicken out of saying this, this uh, word <laughs> during the week because I just felt I just felt flat. I thought, how can I speak like this? You know, speak on something that you know, I've had this passion for worship. How can I speak on it when I'm feeling like that? you know? So I did try and chicken out, but I chickened out of chickening out. <laughs> so there you go. Right. so um, The Lord is looking for worshippers 100% motivated by love. Right? But God is love. God lives inside of us. We don't have to conjure up this love. Yeah? What we have to do is sacrifice to self. And it's difficult Working every day, you're working day, people ha- sort of have digs at you for doing something wrong, right? And you take it personally, and that you know really greats. Sometimes though, something's done really well, and they come and congratulate you, and then you say, "Oh, yes, pat on the back to me." Mm-hmm. But is that? That's you know it's it's it should be just yes that is because Christ is in me and that, that that is I give that praise that you've given me and give it straight back to God now we we all heard the fact that God inhabits the praises of his people pray so you know, every day, as we speak out, if we're speaking in God's grace, in God's, you know, we, he's going to inhabit that. And we can, you know, I, I think, how can people not respond If we have, if we have the realization that every day we can walk out with God's glory, you know that transfiguredness. You know, people are people going to recognize. We can, you know. I don't recognize it yet, but this is something. That we are walking towards being able to look in a mirror and see the reflection of God's glory. Because God who lives inside of us is becoming more central as we, our self, our selfishness, our self is taken back. And we bring God to the surface. Um, right. The answer is not as quick as I thought. Mm, okay. Part of true worship is trust. How can we worship, right, if we don't trust God? So, when we come to worship, we come, you know, we try and leave ourself behind. We try and leave the baggage of the week behind. So, leave it behind, or we just leave it exposed, should we say. Yes, we don't bring it... Into, into worship, but we don't hide it. Yeah, it's exposed. So nothing is hidden from God. We know that, but we do try to hide things. Don't know why we keep doing it because we know that we can't hide anything from God. Hmm? So nothing is more important than the truth. So as we come to God, we worship Him in truth. We can come to Him and we can declare. His faithfulness. We can declare His goodness. We can declare His majesty. His awesomeness. You know? Wonderful counsellor. Everlasting Father. A Prince of Peace. Right? We can come and declare that in front of Him. But we declare that without taking that baggage with us. There are times when we need God to you know, we come to God and say, I've got, I need to give this to you, you know, I need you to do something about it. But when we come to worship, we just come to him who is Lord of all. Yeah. We need to come to church and put away all distractions. It's easy said and done, actually. Because this morning I was fairly distracted walking around. Um, it's difficult, sometimes the children are doing things, and you get distracted. But still, you, ca- you can acknowledge their presence and everything, but you come, and when you come into the worship, you you, do, you, you just don't remember. You come and you just focus on the living God. Push past anything happening in the natural into God's presence. Declaring who he is and what he's doing. One way to um, express what's in your heart to God is to sing in the spirit. Because it bypasses our mind, sometimes it's easy to um, when we're singing i I was caught up to that God is good, and it goes into when the darkness when the darkness is holding on, God is holding on, and I'm thinking, I don't like that." I don't like that. I think we should change that, and my mind is sort of you know, thinking about other things, because something has sort of triggered in me, Don't say that's wrong. But you know, sometimes just singing in the spirit just takes us back, because we can, we can just but concentrate on God, and the words come from our spirit. Worship like that brings intimacy with God, All right? It, de- it deepens our relationship with God. The more we know him, the more we know what God likes, All right? The more, you Beth, you know Matt, the more Matt knows Beth, the more you know what each other likes. We tend to be aware of how we want to be loved, right? A husband probably doesn't, we need to kick him or whatever, (laughs) right? But are we aware of how God wants us to love him? Yeah? We must build that relationship Come close to him, and in worship, we can. Whether again it's in the moment when we just sing together as a community, or whether it's at home in that quiet time that we come and we worship, we might not even be singing, but we're dedicating that time to that relationship. Okay. and we can only do that through faith. So faith is integrally connected with our worship. Worship is a response that demands that we are in God's presence. God is in us. And when we get into that worship, when we're singing and we're getting into that worship, there's something there, isn't it, that... I don't it just it you feel that connection building sometimes it's really strong yeah our spirit our soul is like in the right place so should we have that sort of feeling more you know everyday all the time So, when you worship him, come, be vulnerable before him. Open yourselves up in worship. Trust God. Trust him. Celebrate his goodness. Right, so I've now got some... Bible verses, but should have brought them in as and when. But hey, let's go through them. God uh, says, "I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. I and them, and you and me, so that I they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them." Even as you have loved me. As we, <laughs> it's difficult to imagine there's so many different Christians around the world. But that's true for all of us. So they may be brought into complete unity as we come closer to God, as God reveals Himself, as God transforms our lives we're going to be representing God's glory. It doesn't matter what Christian family we're from, we're still going to be representing God's glory, Christ's glory. So we will be united in that. God said, let the light shine out of darkness, make his light shine on our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The hour cometh, and is now, when the true worshippers shall worship in Father, in Spirit, and in truth. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God a pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe for the God, our God is indeed a consuming fire. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Some powerful statements that people are making. I mean, say, so, is that your statement now, or do you? No, let uh, white that one. Do you recognise that as you now? you know, we can see ourselves maybe in that some of the time, (laughs) yeah? So I don't know, it was just a quotation, I don't know who wrote it, but I think that's, we all seek for greatness, But the highest position that a man can ever achieve is kneeling at the feet of Jesus Christ. Oh, this is by Ben Johnson. It's more than a song we sing. It's our heartfelt response we give to God that places value on him. So... I think that sort of...